Amen. Hallelujah. Today I want to speak with you something God laid on my heart and uh, is entitled The People God Never Knew. The People God Never Knew Walking in Self-Deception. <clears throat> the People God Never Knew. The People God Never Knew Walking in Self-Deception. Walking in self-deception. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, wherever you are. The people God never knew are people who presume to walk with God. They are people who presumed that they, because of the affiliation with God or with certain religious uh, things, they knew God or God knew that. The people God never knew were people who assumed that because of certain familiarities that they had, certain acquaintances, perhaps they, they worked in church, perhaps they sang in church, perhaps they were people that preached the gospel, perhaps they were people that advocated for the things of the gospel, and there were people who served pastors, perhaps they were people that ministered, even prophesied, healed the sick, and they are people who that assumed by the basis of these uh, many things that they shared in common with the Lord that they could manipulate the ordinances of God to suit themselves. You see, and from like from church members, from ordinary people that come to church, those who sit in their pews, those who work, uh, this this concept of self. Self-deception is a very, very dangerous thing. And I've been brooding over this for a very long time. Now, when children go to school, they usually have uh, these career days where you want to dress up like who you want to be when you grow. And so we have um, many people that, that come along and some are dressed like doctors and some are dressed like uh, contractors and some are dressed like uh, nurses, and some are dressed like mechanics, pilots. Um, but even if they dress like that, even if they hold stethoscopes, even if they, 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 they dress like architects or policemen, you ask, it's, a, it's a deception for any of those children, elementary school children, to think that they are those type of people. You see, some children could come from a home where perhaps they are, their parents are, are lawyers or even police people. And uh, by getting so accustomed to seeing a police uniform, wearing it, you know, playing with it, going to the courthouse, the, the familiarity with that does still not make them police officers. Your familiarity with your father, who is a physician, does still not make you a physician. Self-deception, the people God never knew, it's a very, very important thing that we need to look at in the body of Christ today. And I really am I'm, I'm inviting you to join me in this brief moment that we speak the word of God, the good news, that you would really look at yourself and begin to examine yourself. All right, Galatians. And of course, the Bible has spoken many things about deception from that we should be careful about. He said, be careful about false teachers false prophets, 
false apostles, they come to you like wolf in sheep clothing. So of course, there are several types of deception. But I think that one of the main deceptions that the Bible discusses that interestingly, the church and people ignore is self-deception. Self-deception. And I think that self-deception underlies most of the deceptions we have. If you are not self-deceived, sometimes you could be watching the, the television media, you see somebody that clearly you realize this person is not of God, but he has about 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers. And some people wonder, so what is it? Can they not see that this is not of God? Why? Because those people are walking in self-deception. They think they have been able to put God in a certain construct, in a certain framework, and they, they are kind of um, trying to get God to think like they are thinking, you know? So we need to look at these things uh, carefully. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 3, it says, if anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Look at that. It says, if anyone thinks that they are something that they are not, they deceive themselves. Praise the Lord. So the strength of self-deception is in this. The man thinks that he is something. He thinks that he is something, but he is not. And he's deceiving himself. Hallelujah. He's deceiving himself. He says, but let each one examine his own work. Let each one examine himself. Examine himself and, and you would have rejoicing in yourself alone, not in another. Hallelujah. For each one shall bear his own load. Praise the Lord. The onus lies on today's believer to be able to examine himself. The onus lies on today's Christian to be able to examine themselves. He says, if anyone thinks that he is something, ah, that when they are not, then they are deceiving themselves. And I'm asking you today, what do you think you are? What do you think of yourself? Who do you think you are? He says that, but let everyone examine himself. And I know God is going to bless you in this hour that we are going to teach the word. Self, the strength of self-deception is in thinking that you are something that you are not. Perhaps you are thinking you are a Christian, but you are not. Just because you go to church, or you are thinking you are a servant of God because you have started church, because you can preach the gospel, because you have read, written some books, but you are not. I've said here some time ago that the desire to preach is not a calling to preach the gospel. The, 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 the appetite and the passion to go and preach is not, it doesn't, it doesn't equate a calling to the gospel, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Self-deception, and I'm speaking on the people God never knew. The people God never knew, the people that walked with him, the people that presumed they were walking with God, the people that presumed that they were so affiliated with a body, and because of that, they could manipulate the ordinances of God. Self-deception may be intrinsic. It is inside you. Self-deception may be in it. This is, it is you within you, and it is caused by a failure of the person to examine themselves, a failure of the person in thinking they are something. They themselves, the young child that goes to school dressed like a nurse, it should end there. But if that child begins to think that by putting on this nursing attire, I am a nurse, then that child 
is now walking in self-deception, which is brought about by their own failure to examine themselves properly, properly. Hallelujah. Then self-deception can also be extrinsic. It can be external, right? When, when an objective evaluation of other people could make you realize you are working in self-deception. And that is the second group. And with that second group, I'll be explaining to you when people do not meet certain criteria. There are people who think they are, they are, well, they are quack medical doctors. They are not medical doctors, they've had some training, but they are quacks, okay? And um, they, they, for as long as, there's a, there's a saying that says that the one-eyed man among the blind is the king. As long as he's somewhere that there are no qualified people, he's able to do things, but he'll be living in self-deception if he thinks he's a real medic until he meets real professionals who can evaluate him and tell him, hey, you are working in deception. So self-deception, uh, you could have that awareness by examining yourself or having the benefit of an honest evaluation of other people. But are you thinking that you are something that you are not? Matthew chapter 15, verse number eight to nine, the Bible says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain with, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Oh God. They worship me in vain, and their teaching are merely human rules. Merely human rules. I hope that wherever you are, you are not worshiping God in vain. I hope wherever you are, you are not serving God in vain. He says there's a group of people, the self-deceived person thinks in his heart that he is something. And so these people are busy in their worship. These people are busy. Even their lips, they speak things about the gospel. They speak things about the Lord. But the Lord is saying that their heart is not with him, and therefore they are deceived. This is a very dangerous thing. And I'm going to tell you about five or six classes of self-deception that we could get ourselves into, and we need, we need to quickly, and what I say, quickly examine ourselves and get out of this. Praise the Lord. We need to quickly examine ourselves and get out of this. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Now, the first group of people I'm going to, the first case I'll discuss are those who are deceived by position and good thoughts. The people that God never knew. Are there people like that? Yes. There are people who are familiar with God. There are people who do the things of God. There are people who have the word of God on their lips. There are people who worship God, but he says it is in vain. May we not finish this and get to hear that it was in vain. It will be very, very disastrous. It will be very, very disastrous. So a king called Samuel and Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15 from verse 12 to 22, and I just want you to follow me. Uh, God had given him an instruction. He said, go and kill uh, the Amalekites. Go and destroy these people. Uh, everything. God gave him an instruction. All right. So um, he went. And he did what God asked him to do, but he did not fully execute it. He did not fully execute what God asked him to do. He didn't fully execute it. So when, 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 when he came back, listen, early in the morning, verse number 12, he says, early in the morning, Samuel got up because God has spoken to Prophet Samuel the night before. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Those of you on Facebook, I wanted to share, all of you share it and Reach to many people, praise the Lord. First Samuel 15, 12. Hallelujah. 
we can use the NIV. It says, when Samuel rose early in the morning, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told that Saul has gone to Camel. What did he go to do in Camel? He had just gone, he had just come back from this um, uh, assignment that the Lord gave him. And uh, he's coming out and he says, well, he went to Camel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Can you look at that? The guy, after going for that, <laughs> for that uh, uh, assignment God gave him, when he came back, he set up a monument. He set up a statue. He set up a monument in his own honor. Pride has set in. Pride has set in. And he went down to Gilgal. He was going to even sacrifice. And then when Samuel reached him, listen, when Samuel reached him, Saul said to the prophet, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the instructions. Look at self-deception. He said, he greeted the prophet first. God bless you. I've carried out the instruction. Interesting. Very overconfident. Then someone said to him, so what is the bleating of sheep that I hear? And listen, his answer was very logical. His answer was very, very good. It appealed to human reason. He said, oh, we did everything, but the soldiers spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord. But we totally destroyed everything. So as they were executing the command of God, they saw things that, and when you read further, um, and then, and then of course, the prophet rebukes him. So verse number 20, um, as, as you know, someone was also rebuking him that, no, you have to do this, you have to do this. He says, but I did obey the Lord. And I felt so sorry for, for Saul when I was reading the scripture. He said, I did obey the Lord. Saul said, I went on the mission that God assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites, but I brought their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle, the best of what was devoted to God. So they took things that had been what? Dedicated to God, let's say in the temple. They took those things and they decided not to destroy it. And they said they were bringing it back so that they could offer it as a sacrifice to God. That looked very, very logical. But that was not the instruction of God. And someone said to him, well, does God delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in, as he delights in obedience? Obedience to obey the Lord is better than to sacrifice. Hallelujah. So, so this self-deception by King Saul was brought about by his position and good thoughts. He thought, oh, this, this, these sheep are really nice. I think we can sacrifice them to God. And God, 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 first of all, you cannot walk in obedience and bring a sacrifice. You get what I'm saying? You cannot walk in obedience and then bring a sacrifice to God. Thinking that, oh, the Lord, this is, this is good offering. So today in our churches, people do everything they want to do. People do everything they want to do. People, people can mess up. People can live on holy lives. People can do anything. From pastors, bishops, there is nobody greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody, big, big people, small, small people, everybody, they, they do what they want to do. And then they come back with sacrifices. And they say, no, I think that. They, so there's a deception because he thought by his knowledge of the traditions of God, these animals, these livestock were going to be better 
to be used as sacrifice. God didn't demand any sacrifice from him. God first demands obedience from you, obedience to his word, obedience to the gospel, obedience to his instruction. If you cannot obey his instruction, the multitude of your sacrifices, nothing. And be careful. Matthew 15 said, the people draw close to me and they worship me in vain. With their lips, they speak about me, but their heart is not with me. This is a very serious thing. This is a very serious thing. Intrinsic self-deception. Intrinsic self-deception can be very, very difficult. All right? You're a medical doctor. You train. I've, I've explained this already. Children get dressed and they think they are doctors or they are nurses. It should end there. But the moment they step out to work as that, then they are living in deception. And how can they know if they examine themselves, they will be able to realize I'm not what I think I am. And many believers today have failed in that. Are you really who you think you are? Are you really who you really, are you really who you think you are? You'll be blessed. The second case of people I want to talk to you about are those who are deceived by passion or zeal. Those who are deceived by passion or zeal. These people walk in self-deception because they are so passionate or zealous about things. Leviticus chapter 10, verse number 1 to 3. Leviticus chapter 10, verse number 1 to 3. Somewhere in Leviticus chapter 8, God had told Moses to anoint and consecrate and ordain the sons of, of, of Aaron, the high priest. And so these children of Aaron, Aaron's sons, were brought with him and they were anointed and ordained. Not too long after that, those boys became very proud. Those boys were so passionate. Those boys were in a hurry to do the things their father was doing. Those boys were in a hurry to do the things that only the high priest could do. Passion. Look into our churches today. Passion. There are micro churches in every church today. Micro churches. I don't think you see that in the other religions where we have people, they go, perhaps people, they go into a mosque and then in the mosque, you have other uh, Muslim people there who have also started doing small prayers in the mosque or they take the people outside and then they also go and have meetings whilst it is time for all of them to pray. I don't think so. I don't think so. So what is wrong with us? The people God never knew. I pray that you and I escape that. This group of people, unlike the group of the king that we just read, who are deceived by their position and deceived by their good intentions. These people are deceived by passion and zeal. They so much wanted to do the work of God that they did not respect the ordinances of God. They so much felt they were anointed for this. They so much felt, that, man, I got to do this. Man, I got to do this. So they saw what their father did. They saw what the high priest did. And one day they got together Aaron, Aaron's son, Nadab, verse 1 to 3, Aaron's son, Nadab, and Abihu, and they took the census, and they put fire in them when God had not instructed them. They were in Sinai with Moses and their father on the mountain. The things that they saw, the, the, the high priest Aaron do, they got drunk, and they took those um, census, and they themselves put their own fire in it, not the fire of God that was used. They put their fire in it, and they began to offer, offer incense, and prayers to God. Now, you may wonder, why, why does God get upset when somebody is praying? Why is God getting upset when somebody is, is kind of offering incense to the Lord? And this is what we must be careful about. You cannot just 
walk into ministry. You cannot just follow your passion. You cannot just walk into things without respecting the ordinances of God. They were drunk. They were not supposed to do that. They did it at the wrong time. The Lord had not instructed them. And guess what happened? As they were in the act of offering that sacrifice, verse number two, scripture says, so fire came out of the presence of the Lord. This is serious. They, were, they thought they were offering incense unto God, but fire came out of the presence of God and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. My God. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord said. That was in Leviticus 8 when they were being consecrated. Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I should be honored. And Aaron remained silent. He had to remain silent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They offer strange fire. Many young ministers, thank you. Many young ministers are offering strange fire now. Many young people are offering strange fire now. You are listening to me online. You are on Zoom. You are on Facebook. You are listening to me on the website. Listen, many, many people are offering strange fire. Sometimes I watch some videos and I'm, I'm surprised. This, they, had, they had these young people who started singing in, in Ghana. Young people, some young girls, they started singing and then they got popular. You understand? And they got popular. And now when they are, they are not ordained people and they are not ordained priests or anything. And as they are singing and the atmosphere feels charged, then they start going through people and they start laying hands on people and laying hands on people. And, and I begin to laugh and I'm like, who, who gave you authority to lay hands on people? But, but, but I think there's a scripture. He says that the prophets, uh, prophets prophesies falsely. The priests uh, give serve for money and how my people love it. There's a scripture like that, if you can find it. He said, how my people love it. They do falsely. The prophet prophesies falsely. The priest charges a fee. And how my people love it. So there are many, many deceptions going on, especially in the ministry. And we saw the pastor's children. I'm a pastor's child. The fact that your father is a pastor doesn't mean that you also have to be a pastor. The fact that your father or mother is a pastor doesn't mean you should also be. If the Lord has not called you, what business do you have in that? If the Lord has not called you, these boys took what the, what was holy and did themselves. I remember many years ago we were conducting um, a worship night, a musical concert, and I. Yes, he said uh, Jeremiah chapter five, verse number thirty and thirty-one. He said a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority, and my people love it this way. But what will you do in the end? My God. The people love it. Today, people are offering strength fire. Go to some fields. Go. There are pockets of prayer meetings everywhere. I've said this several times. I know people are not too happy with me. But that is the truth. You can go into one church. And in that church, there are about four young ministers there. Every one of them has taken part of the church to start their own fellowship somewhere. Yeah, you think you are working with God. Listen. The people God never knew. Those that walked in self-deception, thinking that they belong to God. Those of you on Facebook continue to say, the people God never knew. Nadab. Look at Nadab and Abihu. They took the things of God to their people, and especially most of the young, young people. 
the generations after us, we are in our 40s, the generations after us, they are not, they are not patient at all. I mean, when you look at the trajectory, they should be patient. Because, because unfortunately for those of us in the African terrain, the, most of the fathers and the seniors in ministry are also behaving like the politicians. They are not stepping down anytime soon. Unfortunately, that's the truth. So they are still there. They are in their 60s, they are in their 70s, and they are still there. And so even those in their 50s, they are struggling to come out because the strength of the early fathers that started the ministry is still there. And unfortunately, unfortunately, whether it's an instruction from God for them, for, for them, or it is their way of life, I don't know. But there is no, there is no passing of the baton that early. So people living in their 50s cannot push that much. Then they have the next batch, which is the 40s group. Then we have the next batch, which is the 30s. And then we have the next batch, which is the 20s. Sadly, now those in the 20s and 30s are trying to skip, skip over. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. Sometimes they are very, very strange, and people may not understand what I'm saying. Listen, because if you if if you like, I'm from Ghana, so I'll use the Ghanaian territory, and I'm, I'm not doing this out of disrespect. But this is a clear analysis. I, I This is something I researched a long time ago. I discussed with my father, who is one of the senior ministers. And I told him that, see, the, 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 the next year of ministers after them, because my, my father, they are level, they are in the 60s, going to 70s. They are still preaching. They are still holding conferences. Instead of assuming a, more of an apostolic role, they are still stationed in the church. And most of them, rightly so, because there is no faithfulness in the church anymore. There are no people that you could even trust them. You see, like Moses laid his hand on Joshua. They are not Joshua's anymore. There are people who are just assassins who are trying to take over. Are we not in Ghana when some ministers have taken their senior pastor to court and all those things? So there are many things that happen that causes unfaithfulness to go on in the ministry. You understand? But, but truth be told, regardless of that, till there is a handing over. Those in their 50s are not going to really come out because those 60s, 70s are still in active ministry. They are not on pension. They are not in apostolic ministry. They are not in overseeing ministry. It's not that they are trying to do the ministry, you understand? And so there is that tier, and there is the next tier, and then there is the 40s tier, and so they are struggling. And then there is the 30s and 20s. What I'm saying is so true if you like take a look around. Many years ago, a young minister came to Ghana to do a crusade, and this young minister was in his... I think late 20s or early 30s, I felt so sad. I felt so sad because the reason why I felt so sad is that when he came to Ghana, he took a picture with the first tier, the, the, big, the big fathers of the land. And as I looked at that picture, I was really troubled. And the reason why I was troubled is that here was a young boy whose father that he served and that had handed over to him, and that man was still alive. That man was still alive. He was like the age mate of the people who were now taking the picture with the young one. But rightly so, because why? We have also, our churches are now filled with nadabs and nabihus who are offering strange things. And that is not the only group of people. Another still on those who are deceived, working in self-deception by passion or zeal, is that Acts chapter 19, there were another seven sons of a priest. They were the seven sons of Sceva. Paul, the Bible says, after 1911, God was doing extraordinary miracles. God was doing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Even his handkerchiefs, even aprons from him, they were healing the sick. Oh, what a wonderful thing. 
Then some of the Jews who went around driving on the evil spirits, I want you to understand the scripture. It means these people were also, they were exorcists. They were people who would go around and try to what? Uh, cast out spirits from people. It wasn't the first time. Some of the Jews who went about driving spirits out of people tried to now change their method. Are you listening? They tried to change their method. And so they got one man, they were trying to cast out the spirit out. And, and, and these were children of a priest. You know, it's, it's not automatic. They felt their father was a chief priest. We can do this that Paul is doing. Passion, zeal. And they said to the, to the, 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 the spirit, he said, uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, <laughs> I command you to come out. Then the spirit spoke back to them and said that Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Who are you? Self-deception. They are wearing, like children wearing a doctor's, a doctor's coat, having a stethoscope around their neck and going to see a patient. A patient who has already encountered a real doctor. A patient who has already encountered the real power. So the spirit says, I know the real doctors. I know the bodies and the authorities under which they work. By you, who are you? And what authority are you working under? And they could not answer. This sense of skiver, I'm telling you, this was not their first thing. Because the Bible says they were going out driving spirits. I'm sure they took handkerchiefs and put it on their body. They also took their aprons and they went to try it and it didn't work. And now they decided to use the second one, which has come out. And look at what happened. After the spirit said, I did not know him, the spirit pounced on seven boys, seven men, one man, and he beat them till they ran naked and they were bleeding. Hey, even so today, many spirits are crying, albeit to the deafening ears of self-styled ministers and self-deceived Christians. That Jesus I know, Paul, the true ones I know, but who are you? Who are you? Yet we are deaf to hear that. I was in a meeting. I was in a meeting somewhere and there was a case. And it was a big convention to do a big, big pastors. And there was a case. And in that case, all the pastors were there praying, praying. So the senior man there called me to come and uh, see if I can help. And the moment I got there, the spirit in the lady said, hey, the, you mentioned my name, Kwesi. Don't come here, don't come here. So I started to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Then he said something funny. He said, if it were left with these people, they would scream and scream and scream and scream and scream and scream. I don't mind them. Interesting. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Wearing a clerical does not transfer power to you. Going to a Bible school does not give you power. It doesn't associate. You see, you should not presume you belong to God because of certain familiarities. This is what the boys were doing. The sons of Aaron thought their father was a high priest. They were going to do it. Bam. They died. Seven sons of Skiba, sons of a high priest. Bam. Some of you, because you serve pastors, because your, parents, your parents are pastors, they just go everywhere. And some of you too, I don't understand. Everybody can lay their hand on you. Everybody is offering strange fire. There are many people are working in self-deception. And the third group of people are those who are deceived by pride. 
Obadiah chapter 1, verse number 3 to 4. He says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars. He said, I will bring you down. Obadiah 1, 3 to 4. This is describing a group of people. This is actually talking about Edom. They lived in the rocks. They had wonderful security. They had great things. They built their, 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 their nests, their homes high in the rocks. And they were proud. They were proud because of that. Many people are proud just because of the system they are in. Many people are working in pride because perhaps maybe they live here in the U.S. or they live in Germany. Many people are proud because of the type of church they go to. Many people are working in pride and self-deception. He says that the pride of your heart has deceived you. Be careful that you do not work in self-deception because of the things that God has put around you. Because of the great things you sing in church. If we are writing it today, this is how we write it because we don't live in rocks anymore. He says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who minister in church, you who sing before the bishop comes, you who carries the Bible, you who are the secretary of the bishop, you who are the associate ministers, you who are the prophets and professor. He says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Lucifer is a wonderful case study, but I don't want to use it. I just want to use things that we can relate to. You, you, who, you who have many degrees, the pride of your heart is deceiving you. Who can bring me down? One day a man said, I have worked so hard. Wow, I've done so well myself, for myself. I built a silo. I stored things. This man was preparing. He was planning. That was a good thing. And then he did not acknowledge the Lord. And then the Lord said that, tonight I'll take your soul from you. He says, I will bring you down from those rocks. Louis he said, I have said in my heart, I will go up to the stars and set my throne above the throne of the Lord. He said, he does this in heaven, cast him down. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse number five. The Bible says, examine yourselves. Now, I know this is not a popular message for you to scream wherever you are, but you need to examine yourself. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus is in you? He said, if Jesus is in you, won't you know? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I'm asking you, can you examine yourself right now? Are you sure you are in the faith? Can you test yourself? Are you confident that Jesus is in you? You're not even confident. You're not confident. There is great danger in thinking you are something when you are not. When we fail the test, when we fail to meet this, when we fail to meet this, when we fail, I'm telling you, people, because Saul was a king, because God has set him on a throne, when God instructed him, I'm and there are many churches today, <laughs> God has left them like he left Saul. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't be deceived by numbers. Don't be deceived by flamboyant things. Don't be deceived. I think it's Luke 16, 15 that says that it is you that you, you know, you pride yourself among people. But the things that are so held among men are an abomination to God. 
Go into churches and see. Go into churches and see. Examine yourself. You are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in the sight of God. Examine yourselves. All the ministers today have turned this gospel into a money-making business. Dressing with so many expensive things, adorning themselves with many jewelry, and, 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 and making the young ones come in think that this part of ministry is just about money. Young people are so money conscious. I'm speaking to, now I don't even have many friends in the ministry anymore. But it's all right. Because you cannot examine yourself. Some are deceived by their position because they are kings. Some are deceived by passion and zeal because their, their fathers are in ministry. Pastors hand over to their children. Their children are forced to now take over. Meanwhile, God is not, maybe God is not calling them. You can see that the pastor child preaching, the guy cannot teach. You can see that he's, he's, he's in family, but he has to stand and preach. Oh, is this what God has for us? Yes, and yes, I'm a pastor's child. And yes, my father doesn't force me to do anything. As for me, even if they shut me in the window, it will come out. Isaiah said, it's in me, burning in me, my fire, like fire, like bones, burning in my bones. Burning in my bones. I have a sister, I have a sister, my sister behind me, she doesn't preach anywhere. <laughs> doesn't preach anywhere. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. He says, if Christ is in you, you will know. I'm asking you. Is Christ in you? People are even on Facebook preaching, not because God has told them to preach, but because of popularity. You have no idea what's going on in churches. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. My heart aches when I see the trajectory of churches today. Churches, pastors, members, bishops, everybody. The whole thing is turned upside down. People follow the clergy and they think that they are saved. I'm telling you, people follow, people follow ministers. I, I saw last night, the Lord showed me a vision about one man of God, very popular in our country, very popular on TV. And the thing he showed me and I said, and why are people following him? Jesus Christ. Self-deception is the greatest form of deception. Let a, let a false teacher deceive you. Let a false prophet deceive you. But don't deceive yourself. And your failure to examine yourself, to see whether you are examining yourself. Tonight I'm asking you, examine yourself. Is Jesus in you? You look at yourself, the things you do. We're having, I was telling you about many years ago, as a young man, we're having a, a worship night. I went to the washroom to, you know, to, to, to pass you in. When I got there, one of the worship leaders was there kissing a girl behind the temple. I was shocked. I was shaking. I said, Jesus, we were doing the service. So he had just finished singing. He had just finished singing. Examine yourself. People are living in deception. I think there's a scripture somewhere in Romans 7, there about on Romans chapter 9. He says, oh, um, he was talking about the, 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 the double nature of God. All the goodness and the, 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 the terror of the Lord together. When, when the Israelites, uh, look at Romans 9 or Romans 7. 
He's talking about the both natures of God. I think it's Romans 9. Look for it for me. People just, just are considering God as a merciful father. And they are living in denial of the fact that his wrath and mercy could exist. Examine yourself. Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? I'm asking you. Pastor, people are following, following pastors, churches, ministers, and they think that is enough to take you to heaven. Listen to me. People lead songs in churches, and they think it is enough to take them to heaven. People preach and prophesy, and they think it is a sign of God's approval. Spiritual gifts are not signs of God's approval or his preference for you over others. Spiritual gifts, they, they, they are not signs of God's approval of you over other people. No. No, 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 no. The giftings of God, no. I found that. Thank you. Romans chapter number 11, verse number 22. It says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. Of God. Look at it. It's, it's a double-edged sword. He said, Behold, on one side, the goodness, and then on the other side, the severity. Because the people who were the original covenant children, when they did not believe them, he cut them off the tree. And he took outsiders who were wild branches, and then he set them in this tree. And now he's warning those he has put in, that behold, my goodness and my severity. That if, if, if those who were original, if God took them out, how much more you who were not part of the deal? Being an armor bearer to a bishop, does not automatically sign you up for the first three rows of heaven. Many people are worshiping, are worshiping pastors today. Many people are worshiping. And, they, and how they love it. <laughs> oh, may God deliver the, the church. Spiritual gifts are not signs of God's approval that you are more important than anybody. I met a young man. He wanted me to mentor him. I left him. I ran away from him. When he stands in the church and his ministry, he, actually, he can actually tease people. I have the gift of prophecy. You don't have it. Stupid. Stupid. Spiritual gifts are not signs of God's approval or preference of you over other people. Your ability to pray for the sick to be healed is not a sign of God's approval of his preference for you over other people. It is not. You, 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 speaking in tongues doesn't even guarantee that you will catch the train to heaven. Can I preach to you? Speaking in tongues doesn't guarantee that you even catch the train to heaven. And as for speaking in tongues, I mean, I used to also, I used to do this. Sometimes you just flow with things till I, I began to examine myself. You know, nowadays, nowadays in Ghana and other African, I don't know about the other African countries, but in Ghana, there's a way we pray now. The way we, uh, there's a certain way we pray in tongues now. <laughs> yeah, 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 we do like, it's like we are singing. I think we should try to stop. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, so ridiculing it. I'm not doing that. I'm saying that I think we should try to stop. Because those kinds of prayer, uh, they came about when there were a lot of all night prayers, when people had to pray for so long and we were getting tired. And so we started, you know, play, uh, playing the drums 
and then we praying in tongues alongside. But now we don't. And I was speaking with one man of God, a Reverend Nixon, and he said, "But Bible said diverse tongues. Now it's just one tongue. Everybody say, then we have about twenty people, thirty people. Then we are all in the room, and we are just going, hey, hey, it's not diverse tongues." The Bible says, as they spoke in diverse tongues, people from Syria, people from the neighboring countries heard that they were speaking in those tongues, their language. There are many excesses today, many extremes today. We have to stop it. I, 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 I did some. I'm, I'm the first to admit it. And I'm sorry that I did that with my church people. But they can see that I've moved on. Examine yourself. I examine myself. I examine myself. We can't, we can't be doing this. We are wasting our time. He says the people have me on their lips. They have me on their lips, Matthew 15. He says that they speak about me. They worship me, but it is in vain. Why? Because their heart is far away from me. Because you are standing there doing, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, and you are abusing your wife. You are standing there doing, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, and you do not honor your husband. You are standing there doing, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, and you are cheating on other people. And you are walking in unholy lifestyle. And you are doing things that does not honor God. You are worshiping him in vain. You are worshiping him in vain. I am telling you, there are many things we have to stop. That mass prayer, you can, some, but I mean, we are on Zoom. I think we have, I can't even tell the number of people we have on Zoom. We have maybe about 20 people on Zoom and about 20 people on Facebook now. Go and see young people without any, any credibility. Eh? I watch one young man, my God. And the Lord is telling me, yes, 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 um, 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 your name is um, and then he mentions one of because we are in, in Ghana, we use the day, the day you were born. So he just mentions your name is like a Saturday born. Of course, there'll be a Saturday born on that meeting. At least there'll be one person. And people are like, yes, yes, pray for me, pray for me. And man of God, man of God, people who exalt men of God. I used to be like that. When you see men of God, it's like you have seen, and I'm not saying this dishonor men of God, no. I'm saying that there is this extreme obsequiousness, boot licking. It's as if you have seen God. You are lost if you are doing that. I'm telling you. And I'm not saying whether he's a genuine man of God. That's not my point. It is you, you. Those you when you see a man of God, it's as if you have seen an angel. Hey, you, you will not honor your husband, you will not listen to your husband, but the a prophet speaks, you listen to him. You see a pastor, you take all the money you have and go and give to him. You are very silly. You are very silly. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Listen to me. He says, it is you that, it is you that puff yourself up, Luke 16, 15, before people. But it is you that also, you just exalt yourself among men. But God looks at the heart. These are things we need to stop. I'm saying it again. That type of prayer we pray, we must stop. Because it is diverse tongues, it is not monologue. It is not a monologue, it is diverse tongues. It, and then and then as for tongue speaking, that's why I'm saying that. It doesn't guarantee you a train to heaven. Because nowadays we use, the, um, what do you call it? Uh, we use tongues to kind of feel, we use uh, tongue speaking to, to feel our mental blackouts. Can I pray to you? So when we, we use tongues to fill the blank spaces, or our mental blackout when we are preaching, when we are teaching, or when we are singing. 
I have been in church for so long. I know the thing now. I'm telling you, examine yourselves and repent. Examine yourselves. I'm examining myself. I'm not in a hurry to go anywhere now. In fact, from last year to this year, I've only preached in about two places. That's it. I'm not in a hurry to go anywhere again. You are in a hurry. Where are you going? You are going to offer strange fire. Be careful. Strange people. We use tongues right now to feel men. I'm telling you, oh, when people black out, when they are preaching and they black out, they have a mental blank. You know, they draw a blank. They don't know what to say. Or they are singing and they draw a blank and they don't know what to say. So maybe he's singing, bless the Lord. I hope you like my voice though. Oh, my soul. And then they black out. They don't know the word. Then they'll just do, orobo shakataka davala bayade. And all that is within me. Because they can't figure the next thing. And when people are preaching, and the Lord will bless you, and the Lord will do this, and the Lord will, orobo shakataya davala but then they are fixing their thoughts. This is not the gift that came on them when they waited. In. Oh, may God forgive us. I'm so sad. When I was preparing this, I kept asking for forgiveness. I said, forgive us. Forgive us. Please forgive us. Forgive us. Examine yourself. Today, tongue speaking, wow, people know ridiculous. When somebody has to lead worship in church, he take, they take the microphone, the first thing that comes out is what are you saying? What are you saying? Meanwhile, you, you have not even paid your tithe, giving your offering. You people, I know people who, oh my God, it's like we are disgracing ourselves. There are people who do terrible things on Saturday. You, your heart is not with God. You are walking in deception. You are offering strange fire. They do terrible things. Terrible things. Whether you were bishop, as for as for pastors, I'm, I've been a pastor for 13 years. It's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. I don't know about the church in America, but the church in Africa, the church in Africa is too emotional and superstitious. The church in America is too cerebral and cognitive. It has to be a balance in between the two. We need a balance. Examine yourself. I've told you about three cases. Those who are deceived by their position and by their good thoughts. Oh, we thought the animals would be good for sacrifice. That's why we brought it to God. Has God told you he needed that? Then there are those who are deceived by passion. I'm telling you, I, I went to one church somewhere. I'm telling you, my God. In that church, I knew three people who had different prayer groups. And one of them was in the church. He was sharing uh, what's up about his camp meeting that was coming on. Another one was sharing his Facebook in the church. The pastor looked so miserable. We are, God hasn't, many of these young people, God hasn't called them. Every, you see, that is why sometimes I think some of the, the leaders, the foreigners of ministry too, are to blame. Because when you see the way they talk about money, there's one preacher, one preacher. He's a Ghanaian preacher. If you listen to him, preaching, and the number of people that follow him online and watch him. Oh, my God. And if you listen to him preaching, you more than 30 to 40% is about money. And we got this money. Come and take it. Come and take this. You have to sow a seed to protect your children. You have to sow a seed. This is idolatry. Sow a seed to protect your children. Sow a seed to cover your marriage. Sow a seed to change this. It's just money for themselves. And then, I mean, are we not thinking, are we not thinking, you, you, if, if you see, I, I, I boarded a flight with one young man of God. I, when I knew him, I knew he was a man of God. But I seen his face on posters. 
and you could look at the suit. And I'm not saying well, God has blessed all of us. If you look at the suit he was wearing, and, and I looked at the glasses he was wearing, and the, the type of glass, I, I just said to myself, this is tight. This is people's offering. I'm telling you. Take, take, oh, let me take my time. So there are those who are deceived by their position and their perceived good thoughts, that's up to them. There are those who are perceived, they deceived by passion. There are those who are deceived by pride. And then there are those who are deceived by religious affiliation. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse number 1 to 11. Jeremiah 7, verse number 1 to 11. Those of you on Facebook, I see a lot of you there. Share it. If you God is blessing, you share it. There are those who are deceived. I told you, I told you interesting, right? Tongue speaking is now used to fill our mental black, you know, blackouts. When we are seeing people are singing, is it, you, you, you believe so? You believe, oh Lord. Look at that, Jeremiah chapter 7. He says, this is the word of God that came to Jeremiah. He says, go and stand at the gate of the temple. Jeremiah was home. Jeremiah was in his house. The Lord said to him, go and stand at the gate of the temple. And when you go there, I want you to tell them this, that this is what the Lord is saying. Reform your ways and your actions. Repent. Change your ways. And I will let you live. Verse 4. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. Look at that. Can I teach you a little bit? This is the temple of the Lord. The, Jeremiah was home. The people were in church. Are you listening to the picture? Jeremiah was home. The people were in church. God said, get up from home. Go to, and stand at the church and tell them, I said, they should change their ways. And they should stop saying, deceiving themselves. This is the house of God. This is the house. That's what they are doing. This is the temple of God. This is the temple of God. These people are deceived by their religious affiliation because they thought they were in the temple of God. They thought that that guaranteed them, you know, access and, and awareness of God's presence. No. He says, change your ways and actions. Have you realized it? Anything God is saying is not about the gift in you. It's not about how you can preach. It's not about anything. He's saying one thing, that change your ways. Change your ways. I, 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 I'm, the, the, the whole thing is so scary because I've seen, I've seen people who love to preach, love to lay hands on people, and their ways are so impure. Speak to one man of God. He was having problems with his wife. He said, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I willingly went for another lady. I did it myself. And I'm looking at him like, wow, wow. And you can say that with such boldness. Yes. Examine yourselves so that your worship will not be in vain. Verse number eight, he says, but look, you are trusting in deceptive words, which are worthless. He says they are trusting that they were in the temple of God was worthless. This is God himself saying it. He said, you are trusting that you are trusting that you are in my house. It's a worthless thing, I'm telling you. Because you do, you do not deal with each other well. You do not take care of the poor. You oppress foreigners. You, you do not take care of widows. There are people in our churches, they are suffering. As for, as for, you see, religion is such an area that people can be deceived. And, and that, is, that is why he said, by their fruits. It's so simple. Now I'm going to get there. So these people 
are living in service. He says, you've made my house. I want to try and close, you know, I have so much to say. I have so much to say. Just in the churches. They, 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 they abuse people. They take all the funds. They use it on themselves. Then they will go and do a small donation and they'll print it in, in the media houses. And show, oh, 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 my God. My God. This is deception. This is deception. Your dear prophet, dear pastor, dear evangelist, you are listening to me. Examine yourself. These are those who are deceived. I'm telling you, the fact that you sing in church, and, and now because of social media, everybody can, can, can set up like I'm doing now. People can set things up and people will listen to them. No man, nobody is qualified to speak when God has not spoken to him first. Nobody is qualified to be listened to when they have not listened to God first. But this generation, micro churches, I haven't been to a, 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 a mosque before, but I doubt that when the imam rings the bell and they have to gather to pray at 4.30, others will take others and go to the field and say they are going to pray. We should examine ourselves. We should examine ourselves. This whole Christianity church thing, we flipped it. And we are changing the ordinances of God to suit our construed thinking. We are changing the ordinances. We are changing the ordinances. Is that the prophet? The prophet said this. The prophet is not Jesus. The prophet is not Jesus. What is wrong with you? Just watch, watch some of our African services. It's as if Jesus is working before them. It's as if Jesus is working for them. And that is, hey, he said, my glory, I will share with no other. You sit down and be self-deceived. Sit down. Two years, God left Saul. Two years he left him. The guy sat on the throne for another 38 years. God had left him. God was preparing somebody. People were still following him. God had left him. But religion, religion, you know, makes it difficult for you to think like I'm thinking. Except you be enlightened. You are wasting your time. The fifth group of people are those who are deceived by spiritual gifts. Deceived by spiritual gifts. I'm speaking on the people God never knew. You started a church. Did God ask you to start a church? Did God ask you to start a church? Why did you start a church? You broke away from a church and took people and went. And you started a church. But you can preach. Listen. Yes, you can preach. I was telling you about these young people who started singing. Especially in Ghana. People who have started singing. I was watching one lady do a worship, worship program recently on YouTube. In Ghana, one of the popular ministers walking with people, carrying the ark of God, carrying the cross, and walking. I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Really? People just want to be, just look at Lucifer and just study him. And if you don't see the same characteristics, I don't need to speak for that. I don't need to speak for that. The, the people who are truly, who belong to God, it's easy to tell. Because they, they, you just, you can tell, I'm telling you, from even from the dressing, from how people dress and how they conduct themselves, it's easy to tell. You can even tell when a man has prayed for one hour and he's speaking to you. You can tell. When somebody has been with the Lord, you can tell. As for 30, he says, they saw them and they saw that they were unlearned men. But when they looked at the power with which they spoke, they came to a conclusion that these men had been with God. It was the only reason 
for men with no training to be that confident and speak. It was because they had been with God. So this group of people are those who are deceived by spiritual gifts. Case study number one is Samson. Judges chapter 16, verse number 18 to 21. The guy was anointed. Listen, I can tell you something. When you study the Bible, um, the anointings, they look very similar. The anointings in the Bible. They look very similar. You see, Stephen's anointing was like Paul, right? You see Isaiah. You see Jeremiah. You see David. You see Solomon, right? You see Peter. You see John. The anointings were similar. But there is not one anointing. Elijah, Elisha. You see, it's there. They, they, they run. They are similar. But the anointing that was on Samson, it was the only unique anointing I can study. There is no many, there are no many anointings like it was for him. The guy was anointed. The spirit of God could come for him. He could tear nations apart, tear lions apart. Anointed. Anointed. But what began with him? He lived in self-deception. Self-deception. He was so anointed. These are, these are the people who are deceived by spiritual gifts. I, and I told you in the beginning that spiritual gifts is not God's approval of your importance over other people. No. God, by, by the demonstration of a spiritual gift, God, or by the giving to you of a spiritual gift, God is not saying you are better than the people you are listening to. Are you listening to me? Oh, those of, there was a young man that started with us in church, and he could see things in visions. I mean, some of us, you have to close your eyes before you see. He's standing there, he's seeing visions. And immediately that gift came upon him. One day I, he came to me and said, man of God, I am going to a certain area to start ministry. The Lord is sending me, and I looked at him, and I said, what can I say? You will tell me you saw clearly, right? He said, yes, I saw. Then he even prophesied to me. He said, I also saw that this thing was given to you. I said, thank you. Ask me where he is today. Ask me where he is today. When I started ministry, oh, I've done this thing for about 13, 14 years now. But I was born as a pastor's child. And I am telling you, the church is a very dangerous place. You need to examine yourself. You need to. Samson, deceived by spiritual gifts. He could not control his passions with one woman. And there are many pastors, prophets, bishops, church members, ushers who are just defiling themselves and coming back to use the gift to woo people. To woo people. Truth is truth. Look, I used to, I'm telling you, those of you, and we, it's because we love God. So when you see a man of God, you love them so much. A woman of God, you love them. I would, when I used to, when I said that, I used to invite preachers. I paid them in dollars. I was in Ghana. I paid them in dollars. That's how much I love, I love people of God. And I realized something was wrong. Something was wrong. And as I grew, grew in the ministry and got to know many people, I realized the whole thing was about money. It was just about money. It's money. I'm telling you, it's money. It's money and fame. A young man ministered for me, and I, I prayed about him. What God showed about me, oh, my God. They were, they were, they were there in their, in, their, in their office, and then all they are doing is their likes on Facebook, they are, and then you have to do this to increase it. it. They are calculated things that are done by the people in church today just to get attract attention. In the days of old, in the days of old, when people, when people stood, God anointed them 
and give them relevance, not through advertisement, but through the power of the Holy Ghost. People spoke in tongues and people could hear their languages. Peter stood there and could tell what people were thinking outside the temple. He said, why were you thinking we were drunk? He knew what they were thinking. Today, people who have that manifestation of the Spirit of God, there's one prophet, one big man in Nigeria, when he's prophesying, he says, if you don't smile, if you don't respond, the gift will not work. <laughs> he said, if you are not responding, if you are not responding, if you are not responding, the gift will not work, and the gift will not work, and I will leave you. It's so self-centered. I'm telling you, from big people, from big pastors, big fathers, I am telling you, God is no respect of persons. You see, till you get there, and, and I, I never disrespect any man of God or any woman of God. But what I'm telling you is that there is this, this civility going on in the church where when people see people of God, they lose their mental, they lose their faculties of thinking. If you are like that, it means you are lost. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm telling you, it means you are lost. Samson got there. After many attempts with Delilah, he told him his, told her his covenant with God. And the woman called for people to shave the seven locks of his head. And they shaved it. We are in Judges 16, um, 18 to 19. So after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And, they, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. His strength left him. I'm telling you, his strength left him. The strength of God has left many ministers. I'm telling you, if you know what they do. I, mean, I have a covenant brother I pray with. And I, every time we say that when we get there, God should help us not to be like that. There were many things God showed me uh, when I started the work of ministry. One of them was money. He said, avoid this money. I had a vision. A lady brought me money. I saw it, they put it on the car. He said, go to me, avoid this. I said, okay. I said, okay. He said, his strength had left him. Verse 20. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. God has left many Samson's today. I'm telling you. God left Saul after two years. God left Samson. One say forever say, go on. You go on. Oh, go, go on. Go on. The people God never knew. At this point, God never knew Samson. They had gone. I mean, that's my stream to say anyway, but you understand what I mean? God had left him. The spirit of God had left him. The spirit of God had left him. And so they took out his eyes. Many ministers today do not know God has left them. And, and, and self-deception is this. He said what? I will go out as before. Those, that's the most dangerous type of self-deception because they've lived in the anointing before. And they do not know now that the Lord has left them. And so they are still going in the name of the anointing. There are many ministers you follow today. God has left. For, for my wife and I, we, we have a joke we say in this house. We listen more to dead people 
when we go on YouTube and we are listening to podcasts, we listen more to dead people. The men of old, those who have died, the Finnish, the, and people like R.C. Sproul, those people, uh, Pink, and those people, and they, they are true servants of God. That's for today, it's just about money. And you can clearly see, don't, don't, don't equate the blessing of God to money. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm, I'm saying don't do that. It's wrong. It's shameful. It's shameful. I mean, there's a prophet in South Africa. He comes to church with a motorcade. Utter stupidity. And there are about 5,000, many people overflowing because he can, he, he, oh, let me, let me, let me, let me continue. I hope you are being blessed. Let me go and shake myself before. People who are deceived by spiritual gifts. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 23. Jesus said to them, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Those of you on Facebook, share this. Share this. Go and see some, something God is not on. You see the number of people on. 5,000 people listening. And they are just doing, eh, eh, eh. I'm saying that type of prayer I used to pray some. Let us stop. Let's all stop. Let's all repent of it and stop. It is diverse tongues. It is not monologue. Jesus Christ. I saw, I saw a certain church had invited me. And that's why nowadays I'm even careful. I don't want to be going to preach for people anymore. A certain church invited me. My God. When I finished ministry for them, you know, they are supposed to give you a honorarium. So they give you some, some you know, uh, love offering. And the moment they sent the pastor's wife, I knew what they were going to do. You know, they sent the pastor's wife. I knew they were not giving me anything. They were not going to honor me. I just said, hey, left. The moment she came and said, eh, man of God, you know that we are struggling to pay our bills. We are struggling. Who told you to rent that big, big, big temple? They would say it's a matter of faith. It's not faith. It's self-desires. It's human desires. It's not faith. It's not faith. I'm telling you, it's not faith. Man of God, hey, you know, uh, we are struggling. So this one is something small. In fact, in fact, we are begging you to take this. I said, that's fine. It's okay. God will bless us. It's okay. I left. The next week, this same woman, they flew to another country and went to bring a certain prophet. <laughs> and then to, to do another program, the people that... <laughs> Be not deceived, Galatians chapter 6. God is not more. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will reap. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. I was looking at them. I was just looking at them like that. Interesting. They went and brought this person from another country. Two of them traveled, went to bring a prophet from another country. When that man came, he, he, he was carrying the mini Ark of Covenant. You know the Ark of Covenant? They had models of it. They had the seven candlesticks. They had models of it. And I was watching that service on Facebook. And I was just looking at them. And I was just laughing. And I was saying, you are lost. But the thing with self-deception is that the person does not, they, they do not know that they are lost. Because they have failed to examine themselves. You can still honor God and honor a pastor and not live in Human idolatry. There is so much idolatry in church today. Everywhere. Africa here. I saw one of the tele-evangelists, very 
popular ones in America here. They, if you don't tight, demons are coming for you. Even if you don't have a job, you tight. Everything, you tight. You cannot, you tight. And you see what you buy their fruits. You shall know them. The man was giving them Ark of Covenant. You take one for $77. $77. You take it for your home for seven days. <laughs> oh, ye foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who bewitched us? I'm asking. Go to our churches and see. Midweek service, Bible teaching, Bible seminar, nobody comes. Put the face of a prophet dead. The whole place gets full. And they will so. I never knew the church had so much money till the boom of the prophetic ministry. People could take cars and give to prophets. And they will have pastors who have taught them for years and they will still be working. I looked at them and I said, as for you, God will judge all of you. God will judge you, bringing somebody to say Ark of Covenant. If, and I'm telling you, stop, stop. The church in Africa is very superstitious. The church in America is very cognitive and cerebral. Both ends are wrong. Stop even the prayer show. Prayer show, they put, there's nothing in it. You, you, you are taking prayer show, you are taking prayer show. My brother, my brother. God is spirit. God is spirit. And I know these things I'm saying are so hard, but they are true. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He said the time is coming that not in this mountain, nor in this place will you worship him. For he is looking for people. He said not in Jerusalem. The woman was surprised. The woman in Samaria was surprised. Because you said, you Jews say that we cannot worship you. He said, I know you are worshiping things you do not know. But listen to me. Woman, the time is coming. The hour is now when neither in this mountain, hallelujah, nor in Jerusalem, hallelujah. Can you listen to that? Neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship him. For he is spirit and he seeks those who want him to worship him in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4. If the disciples had that thing, they would have thought Jesus was, was, was had a problem because they held so strong to the ordinances of Jerusalem. And here the Lord is saying, not in this mountain and not in Jerusalem. My God. Malachi chapter 6, I think verse 7, the message, message Bible. He said, and God be praised who does great things beyond the borders of Israel. As for you, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13 to 23. This, these are the group of people who are deceived by spiritual gifts. He says, enter through the narrow gate. The, Luke, Luke's gospel says, this thing, don't show it. He says, Luke 13, 24, but don't show it. He says, strive to enter. Enter through them. Make every effort to enter. Today, I'm telling you, you are listening to me. This will not be a popular message. You feel tired already, but listen. He says, strive. Make every effort to enter the narrow gate. Make every effort. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter it. Matthew 7, 13, okay. Enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate. Yes. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. Are you listening to Jesus? Is Jesus geometrically confused? That Jesus is saying that the road to heaven, the road to life, is small, it's narrow. So he's telling you, make every effort and only few find it. Only few people go to heaven. No. Only few people, only few people. Then he begins to warn us. 
He says, watch out as you are striving to enter. Be careful about people who will come in my name. They will come with my name, like children doing career day. They are wearing a cloth, but they are not the real person. And they have come. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he gives us an example. I don't know what's, what's, what's happening to the church. He gives us an example. He said that, do people pick grapes? Okay, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He said, likewise, every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Are you listening to me? If you are listening to me, make every effort to enter the narrow gate. I'm telling you, you cannot use the prophet's name there. You cannot use your pastor's name. If me, me, as I've been in ministry for so long, I, I, it's only one person I call son. Son, son, my son, my daughter. I know young ministers. <laughs> young ministers with that address. They have sons and daughters. Son, you have sons and daughters. I can show you in the scripture. He says, by you. Okay, I think it's somewhere. Man of God, don't show it now, but Luke 22. When they were talking about who would be the greatest among them, then he said the Gentiles love to lord over them. Just open it and put it down somewhere. And let me go on. The gate is narrow. And he gave us instructions. He says what? A good tree. And I want to take my time and speak here. A good tree. A good tree does not produce bad fruit. Okay? But do you know something? Today, another form of self-deception in the church is that the church is finding reasons to justify why a good tree can bear bad fruit. I feel so sad, eh? The church today is finding reasons to justify why we can gather grapes from different trees, from thorn bushes. The church today is finding reasons why we can gather fish under thistles. The church today, Jesus is saying, a mango tree cannot produce apples. If you see that, it is wrong. The church today is justifying it. When so-called prophets, pastors, bishops, apostles, they mess up, they do terrible things. Terrible things. God gave us an instruction. By that, you will know that they are not from me. The church is saying, can it not be wrong? Uh, didn't, didn't Elisha say something? Did it happen? Didn't this person do this? Didn't David take somebody's wife? The church today is finding reasons to say we can take grapes from, from, from conflicts. We can take a bad tree and still get good fruit. The church, then that is another form of self-deception. I don't know what to say anymore. If it is not there, it is not there. It is not. Stop justifying bad fruits that a good tree can bear bad fruits occasionally. So Jesus didn't know that. You know better than Jesus. Jesus says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. The church today is saying, yeah, it's okay, but he's also a man. He's also a man. Really? Verse number 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Not everyone. <laughs> Not everyone. You are listening to me. 
Those of you on Facebook, you are listening, like I see, say, keep sharing it. Keep sharing. It. People should hear this. You see, you don't hear these things anymore. You see, the last program you went to, it was all about money, and we built this, and we are doing this, and we are doing this. Jesus is coming. The buildings, the churches they built in England, now they are used for drinking bars. Jesus is coming. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Not everyone. But only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. He says, many will say to me, so many among those who are saying, Lord, Lord. Okay? Not everybody saying, Lord, Lord. is entering. But then he says, among those who are saying, Lord, Lord, there's another subset of them who are not just saying, Lord, Lord, but they are using the name of the Lord. They are said, many will say, we prophesied in your name, we drove out demons in your name, we performed miracles in your name. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Hey, this is a serious matter. This is a serious matter. The Lord does not deny that they work miracles. The Lord does not deny that they prophesy. I'm telling you, you, you have an ability. You have a spiritual gift and you feel it's God's approval for your silly works. You are lost. Young boy, you are just at a ministry. You can call people. One young minister was telling me about another young minister. I said, he can call people and tell you, uh, you know, we have seen this. You have to bring money and so money. As for the dishonesty in Africa and the ministry, it's so terrible. I don't know about this place. I'm here to explore. As for the dishonesty, pastors, people have to pray. One of my sisters was telling me recently, one man of God, I, I brought to church. He started calling people, taking money from them. They have to sow. You, you, you are deceiving yourself. Spiritual gifts are no ticket to heaven. They are no tickets to heaven. Spiritual gifts. So those who don't have it, they won't go. You are joking. You are, you, you, I heard one man say, God is the only one that will fire you and you will still be working for him. He's left you and you are still there. He said, we prophesied in your name. And he said, and I'm there. You're, which people are, you're, 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 the people you are following, you are so crazy about, they are there. Didn't you hear one of the top televangelists in the U.S.? He's, he, he's into miracle healing. Didn't you hear him? He said, I got it wrong. We followed money too much. We followed money. We followed money. We followed money. The sick group of people, and I'll be closing with these ones, are those who are deceived by riches and comfort. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 14. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, and we're going all the way to 20. This is very serious. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Don't, don't, your choice of church should never be based on physical uh, uh, emotions. Examine yourself. To the church, angel of the church in Laodicea right? These words, these are the words of the amen, the faithful, and the true witness. When you look at this, this is the first time he's using the word, the amen, the faithful, and true witness. He's telling you this is truth speaking. This is the faithful witness speaking. This is your ruler speaking. The things I'm going to say about you, they are true. That's why he, he started with that. 
Now, just to give you a background, this Laodicean uh, city, they were a very, very rich city. They had a very booming textile industry. And they had a lot of cotton wool that they used to make textiles. They were rich. In fact, they can't, the city was destroyed by earthquakes. They rebuilt it by themselves without the state funds, just because it was a booming ministry, uh, industry. And they, they were believers. They, they had churches. If you read Paul's letter, he says, make sure this letter is read in the church of Laodicea. It was, a, it, was a, it was a church, okay? But look at what was happening. He says, tell them, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were one. This, the Lord is saying, in fact, don't stand in between. I just wish you were, uh, you were hot or either cold. But because you are neither and you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And listen to what they're saying. He says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. I'm counseling you, buy gold refined from me in fire so that you can become rich. I'm counseling you, come and buy white clothes from me so that you cover your shame and put salve or ointment on your eyes so that you can see Listen to me, I'll come back to the scripture. Listen, this is the story of many churches today and many believers. These people, they were not unbelievers. That's why he said you are neither hot or cold. They were not unbelievers, but they were also not true believers. Now, we have to be careful. We have to be careful, church. We have to be careful. He says they were neither hot nor cold, and he wants you to be one of them. God is getting ready to speak many ministries out. Many people are, he's speaking many people out. He's speaking them out. And why is he doing that? And these people actually boasted in spiritual riches. Not only was it physical they were talking about. No, Jesus Christ is not bothered by people who are saying they have money. No, this was spiritual riches. They said spiritually, they are so rich that they do not have any need. Self-confidence, self-deception. They have no need for anything. And the Lord Jesus says to them, you have no idea. You are poor. You are wretched. You are pitiful. I'm telling you, many churches today see boom. They see, they see flamboyance. They see things. They ask God how he sees you. Examine yourselves to see. To see if Jesus is in you. That's what he said, 2 Corinthians. 35, he said, is Jesus, if Jesus is in you, you will know. Is Jesus in you? When you open your mouth to speak, it's more than a chainsaw. Your husband will run away. People will run away from the workplace. Is Jesus in you? Then you finish and you are speaking in tongues. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. They said they have need for nothing. And then the Lord said, you are wretched. Many, many people, they are wretched. Many people, they are wretched, but they do not see not only them. The church in Sardis, Revelation 3.1, it says to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him that holds the seven stars, the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Look at that. Finally, look at Isaiah 28, and then we can pray now. Isaiah 28, verse 7 to 10. There is a need to examine yourself. If you are listening to me, I've been speaking about the people God did not know. I spoke about six 
six categories of people who were working in self-deception. I spoke about those who were deceived because of their position. I spoke about those who were deceived because of passion. I spoke about those who were deceived um, because of religious affiliation. I spoke about those who were deceived because of spiritual gifts. I spoke about those who were deceived by pride. I spoke about those who were deceived by riches. And I spoke about the Laodicean church and the Sardis church. But this, I'll close with this, Isaiah 28, verse 7. He says, and these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. He's speaking about the church. He's speaking about pastors. He's speaking about ministers, priests, and prophets. They stagger from beer. They are confused with wine. They stagger seeing visions. All their tables are covered with vomit. And there is not a spot without filth. Who is he trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children weaned from their milk. To those just taking from breast. Oh my God. I want us to pray. But he doesn't end there. You know, when you look at even the, the church in Laodicea and Revelation 3, verse number 18, he said, I counsel you buy gold from me as refined. He said, put salve on your eyes so that you can see. Then he says, be earnest and repent. Verse 20, Revelation 3.20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with the person, dine with him and deal with me. Judges chapter 16, verse 22, after they took Samson's eyes out, when he repented and prayed, the Bible says, but his hair began to grow again. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 2, to the saddest church, he says, wake up, be strengthened. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Remember, therefore, what you have received. Hold fast to it and repent. He says, yet you have a few people in saddest who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Are you worthy? Will you walk with God dressed in white? Are you walking in obedience? He says, come and dine with me, not dine with pastors. Come and dine with me, not dine. You don't know Jesus and you know everything about your prophet's suicides. You don't know the Lord Jesus. You don't know his properties. You don't, you miss, past, we are not Jesus. Pastors, prophet, working there like uh, miracle workers, supermen. Nobody is Jesus. There is no deputy Jesus. I'm asking you today, examine yourself. Go back to your first land. He's standing at the door waiting for you and I. He says, all oh, these priests stagger with wine. They reel when I show them visions. They vomit everywhere. There is nowhere clean. Who are they teaching? Children win from milk. Wherever you are, I want you to bow down your head with me. As you meditate on 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, that says, examine yourself. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself to see if Jesus is in you. I want to pray with you to give yourself to the Lord. Ask the Lord to open your eyes. Just bow down your heads. 
and begin to pray wherever you are right now. That the Lord open my eyes. The Lord teach me. The Lord, the Lord do this. Come on, wherever you are. Just do that prayer right now. Just do that prayer right now. In the name of Jesus, let's pray.